We interrupt this program for a special report by WKMU. Staten Island, New York. Hey y'all, that was really close last week, but we're back again with another episode, this time in a different secret location. Well, that was awkward. <laughs> Well, as you all know, we are the strange and wonderful people who like to talk about strange and wonderful things. But sometimes we like to talk about things that just don't get talked about enough. So we're going to talk about it today. We're going to put you on. This episode is called, well, it's not an episode. What do we call these things? Like a segment? I don't know. Uh, a show? I think episode is good. Podcast episode, no? No, because it's going to be a recurring episode. Yeah segment then yeah it's a new segment called <laughs> erased history yeah i forgot it for a second <laughs> so the first thing i want to talk about today is did you know that there was a like a little community in central park before it was built it was like a predominantly black community in central park you know before it was central park so it was just a, a neighborhood with it was like a little neighborhood like it went from like 82nd street to 89th street along 7th avenue so I know the park goes up to 8th Avenue. And much wider, but so, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I guess they needed that little piece of land to complete the rest of Central uh, Park. I guess so, yeah. Like, um, yeah, like eventually the city wanted it, and there was like a law where you could pay people to leave their private property. And um, they call it like eminent domain. I had to look up what that meant, but it was like you could buy private property and take it over or whatever. As the, Like the city can do that as long as you're being compensated. But do you have a choice in the matter? I think not. <laughs> like, I think when the city wants to do something, they'll, they'll put the pressure on to get you out. I know that, you know, you've probably seen the posts like this, like these little houses in the middle of a highway or whatever. Yeah, those like, are the people who stood up and didn't like, because there's yeah. actually a building um, in, the, in the lower Manhattan mm -hmm. where it's like, uh, you remember when you get off the ferry, there's like a building inside of another building. It's a church inside of a building. Like they built I think a, so, yeah. They built a building around the church yeah you know sometimes the little guy wins yeah yeah i mean i think like eventually people started caring about like historical pieces or like things that were there before us but um yeah like um so some of the things that i learned about the little community it was called seneca village and oh, like um, the, um, it was founded like the never american tribe yeah I, there were there's like theories that it was named after that so because um Actually, that's my next story. But yeah, it was called Seneca Village. It was founded in 1825. It was, um, in the beginning, it was just black people moving in. It was like a way to get out of like the more crime-ridden areas of the city. So like a lot of people were in lower Manhattan and they moved upwards to, or, you know, to be they safer. Literally, they literally like, moved on up. Yeah, on they the moved on side. up. Yeah. Um, yeah, like well, the land was bought by this guy named John Whitehead. I guess he was a white dude and he bought it. And in 1825, he started selling pieces to people. Can you imagine having a name like Whitehead? And yeah, I know. Like I thought it was really crazy. Like Whitehead. <laughs> and then he gets gross. old. And then he's, a, he's a, like, because Whitehead also means like, you know, old people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. You know, he's an old white guy. Oh, he's that's a, crazy. <laughs> it's like the perfect villain, like, name. Yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah, so there was this one guy, like the first black man to purchase 
a piece of Whitehead's land. <laughs> his name was Andrew Williams. Oh, because he's not Blackhead. Okay. Yeah, Andrew Williams, and he bought it. He bought three lots for one hundred and twenty-five dollars, and um, a lot of other people were buying stuff. Like people just started purchasing, uh, like twelve lots, um, ten lots at a time, and like, uh, yeah, it was, um, you know, black people kind of making their own little space. For and, themselves. Um, and then the city was like, nah, we want to put a park here. Yeah. And then like back then there was like a law where you didn't have any rights to vote unless you owned land and lived there for three years. So it turns out like a lot of the people in that neighborhood or community were considered like upper they were class. Voters. Huh? They were voters. Yeah. They were allowed to vote. Like this was like um, the beginning of like being free and what it felt like to be a free black man. So when you when they sold the land, they're, they're no longer allowed to vote. Um, I don't know. Well, you, you don't own land anymore. You sold it. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, maybe, maybe so, like them buying this from them kind of messed them up. Like, God, now like, you can't vote. Like, ha ha. Like, yeah. now if you want to stop us next time, you can't vote us out. Sorry. That's crazy, though. I know. And, um, yeah, the city wanted to build a park. Um, they were paying people to leave. Uh, Andrew got paid $2,335 for his house and three lots. And um, that was it. <laughs> that doesn't like honestly. I I thought it was gonna be a little, little darker than I that. I thought so too. I don't know who, for some reason I thought there was like a dark turn. Yeah, I thought it was people could have been shot but, or something um, like. Because you think of uh, it's just sad when anybody gets displaced though. Like yeah. look at us a few months ago or a few weeks ago, our apartment was flooding, and our landlord straight up said, "Oh, you guys should just leave," and it felt like yeah, what? we didn't get compensated. Like you can't say that to me. And, um, yeah, so I just, I think that's sad. I know it's not like everybody was shooting at each other. Yeah. And our landlord yeah. is cool. She's, uh, but she, when you know, I thought, she got it done. Yeah. And, and then, I, um, we, we do love our new room. What? We do love our new room. Yeah. So, um, I now in Central Park, like a lot of what was Seneca Village isn't there anymore, but there's like a huge, like, boulder there that was probably there, Seneca Village Times. Probably bigger and than they have, like, Rock, too. Yeah, and they have like markings of where things were in like Seneca Village. And I thought that was cool. Like Central Park in the beginning was trying to not talk about it. And now like you could go visit the park and they there's little like what's it called? Well, like, they did it, signs. And I stuff. guess they did it the pro- most progressive way cuz like even like white people get their places bought if, out like if they if the city wants your land, they want your land. And for a time that's considered, you know, uh before the civil rights movement and stuff like that, right? This is while, like a while ago, right? It's 1825. and Oh, super while ago. Yeah. 1825, really? Was when the black people started buying the land. I guess one thing that was like a bit disturbing about um, Seneca Village was that in um, 1871, so this was like maybe 14 years after um, they like took over Seneca Village, they had found, um, they were like workers digging up some trees and they found two coffins with like dead bodies of like black people inside. Oh, like basically they, someone was buried in that, like beside their family home. I guess. I don't know. Like, I think that when the city took over the land, they just left these bodies there. And I don't know if they forgot about them, didn't care about them, but like, I thought that was a little messed up because they said that they moved everybody. Like the bodies that were buried in Seneca Village, they have moved them to like Queens or something. So I don't know what happened with these bodies in particular, but it definitely sparks my curiosity. Yeah, yeah. 
and this is part of like the U.S. government. It's a city government, but it's you know America's government uh, mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. That if they just want something, there's nothing you can do about it. Like they just want it. It reminds me of when I was talking last week about wounded knee. Uh huh. And then you know that got me thinking. So I wanted to do a little bit more research into it. And, and then since we want to do this erase history, wounded knee is one of the it's uh, most things I can think of near American history that's been erased, considering mm-hmm. that it was the last great conflict between the Native Americans and the U.S. government. And maybe after this story, you'll figure out why. What year was Wounded Knee? Oh, that's a good point. Oh, because I know, like, Tale of Tr- Trail of Tears was, like, one thing, but... I wrote it down, but I don't know where I wrote it down. Occurred on December... Oh, wait. December 29th, 19, uh, 1890. Yeah. I just found it. <laughs> um... So, yeah, basically what happened here is this was a time of Native Americans. Uh, they were getting um, their food source was getting wiped out by American government. Basically, you know, trying to kill them off uh, nonviolently by getting rid of their food source. So they started giving them these reservations. And the reservations, you know, you know they still use them today, were given to them. They weren't really that great soil wise. And the government was like, no, you have to stop hunting and start, you know, planting your food more. And they tried, but the, you know the dirt's just no good. So you know they they whenever they could ransack you know maybe an armory or you know someone like a battlefield. You know they grab rifles and they you know continue to hunt. They can't grow their own. And like you said, this was right around December, so it was cold. You know nothing's growing in December. So basically, around this time, they started going to religious um, enlightenment to to help them themselves. You know what do you do when you you're stuck? You look to a higher power. And so they started coming up with these things called ghost dances, which is basically they would dance around to a beat and then pray. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you'll hear like a lot of dancing, especially around powwows and stuff like that. I don't know if you know what a powwow is. No. Nah, no, I do. <laughs> some people think of a powwow as like a little party, but it's actually a, a, it's like a meeting, no? A, a, it, they could be huge meetings. Mm-hmm. And uh, Native Americans, come. Like, I've been to a couple of them. Like it's it's not just like oh you know I, we brought my friends over he's you know Native American too it's like you know huge uh, people of the nations would you know travel together to visit other Native Americans. Um. Anyway, so basically what happened was they're starting to starve. They they start dancing, do all these things to release themselves, and the U.S. government starts to come in and says, you know what, we don't want you to have guns anymore. We're gonna have to take them all. So they took them off there. The Lakota people. Um, the, the, his chief is actually brother, like half brother to Sitting Bull, who was a fa- another famous chief who was killed while trying to no- negotiate uh, some kind of peace between them, and um, it was some kind of accident, like someone fired off prematurely and then fired off. You know, and that's going to sound very like common after you hear this. His name was Chief Spotted Elk, and so they asked them to move down a couple miles to Wounded Knee uh, Creek or River. And uh, this was done because the translator for the Americans, uh, half Lakota uh, himself, said it would be easier this way. Like, they won't put up a fight if you pull them away and, like, you know, there'd be less bloodshed. But imagine your older brother dies from gunshots from a peace treaty with the U.S. government. And now they're asking you to go down five miles from your encampment to be searched. So... About 500 started, uh, soldiers started searching and taking firearms from the Native Americans. At some point, they came upon a man named Black Coyote. Uh, Coyote. He was a deaf, non-English speaking man. 
and he didn't realize that they were asking him for his gun. So they would just all he saw was someone grabbing at his gun. He was like, "No, it's my gun." Mm-hmm. And you know he can't understand what they're saying, and they're trying to tell him he doesn't he doesn't know what you're saying. He can't hear you. He's deaf. They're yelling at the guy. He's deaf. He can't hear your commands. So two officers come from behind and start like roughing him up and choking him and grabbing him. And during all this, a gunfight goes off. And, you know, before this, tensions were high. Everyone's worried. So, you know, there was all this dancing, you know, this ghost dancing. They were praying. And, and the translator told the Americans that they, they were like, oh, we're, the, our, our shirts are bulletproof. You can't hit us. Mm. And the Lakota people, their, their um, writings of the history of that incident, they were just saying, um, please let me die instead of my tribe. Like, let this end with me and spare them. Not, I'm going to go kill all you. Yeah. So when the gun goes off, they see all this dancing. They think it's like war dancing. And they just open fire on everybody. They didn't care. You, They had women who were, like, climbing up to the peace pole, trying to get the peace flag. Like, oh, hey, I'm, I don't want trouble. And, you know, everyone was going for the down of their guns and stuff. Other women were just trying to get to their kids. You know, there was a stockpile of guns. They, You know, they went for their hitting statues. And... Everyone just started firing on each other. It didn't last for long. And at the end, there was only 25 American soldiers killed, but 84 men, 44 women, and 18 children died. And that's a small, they actually think it could go up to twice as many. Uh, more kids and uh, children, but I think that they tried to censor it even more. They didn't want people to know how badly it was, so they, this could be some kind of misinformation on that too. Um, there was 500 soldiers against these you know 200 people half of them were winning and then after all after all that's done they call out to everybody whoever's hiding come on out it's okay let's go come on out when they come out they're they're boys and they just fire on them and then they come in and steal all their valuables and leave and the government calls it the battle of wounded knee until 1990 saying like we didn't do anything wrong you know it's known as the massacre or the tragedy of wounded knee now but still people have uh, this miscollection that uh maybe the name you know maybe the native americans did have more to why everyone started firing off but doesn't mean that, that everyone deserved to die yeah oh that story is really heavy yeah i think maybe that's why people don't talk about it enough like that's it's hard to hear about that and know yeah. that and know the truth about our country and that 20 of the soldiers got like medals for their valor and and, and bravery in the battle um the i whole actually think small sounds like small dick energy to be honest yeah like and it's just like i guess they just want to get rid of them they didn't see them as people they just want to get rid of them and like well, could you blame any of like that since this was the last great battle uh, between the Americans and Native Americans, it's like, well, why would you want to fight them? You can't even trust them not to shoot at your kids and women. Like, right. you know, there's usually some kind of, like, you know how much more, you know, they called the, the Native American savages. They had rules. You don't go after children and women, and, and they had no problem doing it. So it's like, well, why? Why You, you killed the other guy. All he was trying to do was broker a peace, a peace deal, and you took him out. Yeah. <laughs> we have time for one more story. Hopefully it doesn't get any worse than this. 
Well, <laughs> in enters Tulsa Race Massacre. <laughs> oh, another massacre. Yeah. Um, you'll find this as like Tulsa Race Riot, Tulsa Race Massacre. Did this one also have American oh. government on one side of it? Um, kind of. Not really. So this was like a story of like black people against white people. Kind oh, of like situation. in the streets. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, I think I remember this. You watched this on Bailey like a couple years ago. Yeah. Shout out to Bailey Sarian. Um, so, yeah. So, to, you know, setting Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um, during uh, the Indian Removal Act, um, a lot of so a lot of like Native Americans owned black people back then. And um, uh, so the Africans were owned and forced to move to along with the Native Americans. To like reservations? Yeah. to like just new locations. And um, basically reservations. Yeah. So the uh, you know, the black people thought of this as like, um, you know, new place, new opportunities for them. And um, they ended up moving um, to uh, north, I guess, from uh, south because the south was all slavery and the north was free. Um, sure. They moved upwards and then um, they ended up having like their own little neighborhood. Again, an- another situation like Central Park. And this was called like Little Africa. Like anything north of the railroad tracks was considered Little Africa. And um it was just a neighborhood where a lot of black people. In my had head, a, I was like, "That's so racist," but like, no, it's, we have little Chinatown, little Korean town, little little Mexico, little Italy little is Italy. what it's called, Chinatown. Well, there's little the, Italy. well on Staten Island, they have you know, there's a little Mexico. Oh, I've heard of little Mexico. So yeah, I I feel like everybody has like their. I don't know if that's. I don't know. It's just weird. I don't it's think weird it's weird. Here. No, I know. I think it's weird that I think it's weird. Yeah, that's probably is weird. <laughs> nah, so um, you know, this was just like a little community where there was like a lot of just black people thriving because they had uh, their own homes, their own shops, their own businesses, and um, back oh, then, oh yeah, this was before Oklahoma was a state. Well, yeah, Oklahoma was uh, just beginning to become a state or had just recently become a state. I think it became a state in 1907, and this was this took this riot took place in 1921. Oh yeah, so it was only the, it was only a state for like 13 years, but. Uh, during this time, there were Jim Crow laws, and uh, just like if quickly, if anybody doesn't know what Jim Crow laws, it was like after slavery, there were still rules that black people had to follow, and there was still like black people had to walk on this side of the street and could only drink from this water fountain and be in these classrooms and learn using these books, these businesses, and stuff like that. These and parts so, of the town, yeah. So, um, Black people, like one of the one of the laws or whatever rules or whatever was that um, you couldn't shop in a, so a black person couldn't shop in a white shop and a white person couldn't shop in a black shop, and so oh, black yeah. people only. And then if if you were white, you couldn't live on a street that had like mostly three, black, people. black people. Yeah, yeah. Like you could have one white person on the block. That's it. Basically, <laughs> and um, so this forced black people to just invest their money into other black businesses, yeah. and so um, they started thriving. Like this little community started thriving. They called it Greenwood District, aka Black Wall Street, is what they called it. Or back then, it was called Negro Wall Street. And um, that's still better what it could have been called. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. And so there was this guy Booker T. Washington. He was a leader in the black community and like he was like a presidential advisor and stuff like that. He was just like this big elite black dude <laughs> and he encouraged them to yeah. keep doing it, keep like ma- thriving on their own without yeah. the white people. He was showing that uh, black people can be high culture. 
Yeah, yeah. And um, so soon there was 4,000 acres of completely black-owned businesses, homes, schools, churches, libraries, like this whole but thing. But Just them. Yeah, yeah. Not like Harlem. I guess not. <laughs> and um, in 1921, there were 10,000 residents in this like little black Wall Street. Damn. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, back then, I guess there was like a lot of like oil and mining and stuff. So there was just a lot of people moving. Sounds like a lot of happy black people. Yeah. And um, so there was a lot of tension, like the white people was hating. Yeah, because they see, you know, like, that's how just the story like the U.S. Goes. government saw Native Americans as not completely human. Mm-hmm. These people didn't see black people as like fully human. And how dare they do better than them? Like, they work their asses off too. Why can't they have nice cars like them? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, honestly, that's, that's something that keeps repeating in history. Like, people don't want to see black people shine. Not even other black people. <laughs> I, that's a little irrelevant to the story. But yeah, like, there's always, if there's a black person shining, there's always somebody hating on that. And so there was a lot of tension in this time. And um, so one day this kid, he was 19 years old. He gets on an elevator. And the person back then, elevators, you needed a person to move the elevator, to work the elevator. And it was this little, this 17-year-old white girl. um, They still have buildings in Manhattan that you need somebody to to move it. Yeah, I think Macy's is like that, right? No. I don't know. Well, I did courier service. Uh, I have to to go inside buildings and stuff like that. You'd be surprised how many people, like, all they did was push a button. And they just spend all day in a little box. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. But yeah, so his name is Dick Rowland. He got in the elevator with Sarah Page. And um, I don't know what happened, but she screamed. And then everybody was like, he did something to her. And he, because he, they saw him running. She screamed, they saw him running. And like me, I'm thinking he probably ran because she screamed. And it's like, he doesn't know what to do. Because he's like, shit, they're going to think I did something to you. Like, you know what I mean? And yeah. that's exactly what they thought. Of and, course he did. Yeah. I would have read too. Like someone screaming like, oh, instantly that guy did it i wonder what happened nobody really knows what happened in the elevator like he never told us he he, never told his mom anything like he never like no one's like oh he just told me that she started wiling out i don't know um nobody knows like what happened like now so you know how people play telephone and it goes from one year to the next year the next year next year next year next year they said that he basically raped her in the elevator like a two-second elevator ride and he raped her but after everything was discovered, like they were like, he probably just most likely stepped on her foot or something. I wonder if they were playing around, like made like flirty, flirty, and she was like, stop, like or something, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like I don't know. Yeah, it but, sounds like that could be possible. I don't know. But like it's like, uh, like I don't know. Like, did he feel like he did something? Like maybe he, maybe he did try to flirt with her. And she was like, oh, no, I'm not having that. And, and then that's why she screamed. And that's why he ran out of there. I don't like, know. It could also be like, also, she came on to him. And he was like, nah, like, nah, yeah, you're trying to get me in trouble. Don't you see how dark I am? No, no, no. no. You ain't going to catch me slipping, Snowflake. <laughs> and then maybe she screamed because she got rejected. But it sounds like definitely like maybe someone said at least something flirty to one of the others. I don't know. I'd like to think that there were two young people... And that's why the, the sexual assault thing came up because it was just like maybe she liked him and she was confused about it. Like I don't know. Yeah. But um. Uh, anyway, so he rounds off and everybody starts saying, "Oh, oh, he did something to her." So he gets arrested. He runs. 
they arrest him and then like a mob of white people show up outside the jail cell and they want to lynch him they want to that's how they used to uh, do people back then they would hang him oh oh you hear that well, that means we only got a little bit more time left oh, okay all Sorry. right so let me just so uh, let me just wrap about up the announcement go ahead let me just wrap up so um no, no, take your time we got a couple more minutes <laughs> So they want this guy dead. They're convinced. What exactly is lynching? Lynching is when you get hung off a tree, like a rope around your neck, and you get they hang you from a tree. So it's like and so, it's like a so humiliation crazy. thing. They, and also, they gave it its own name. Like that's a hanging, and they're like, "Well, nah, it's a black guy, so he gets lynched." Like it just sounds like they're making but this it sound is like, worse. I think it's because it ends up being like a whole event. Yeah, like it comes to like a public square, like everyone come down. But a lot of public executions, for the longest time, they did in the public. I don't know. We we do have like this infatuation with death. Mm-hmm. You know, we all we all look at the train, you know, the car crash on the highway, like oh shit, what happened over there? But like to, for for all that to, for the, the, to be lynched because someone just screamed and said some bullshit. Yeah, no, it happened like that. It always happens like that. Like Emmett Till, he was an innocent little black boy that got killed. Like he didn't do anything to anybody. He didn't hurt anybody. But yeah, and they, they still to, they just wanted to say it was him. They wanted to kill this guy. And then I think I remember the part this part was uh they barricaded themselves on the top floor of the police station, right? Yeah, so the police force <coughs> I'm sorry. So the police force wanted to protect Roland because, you know, I guess they also the law is still a man of the law. Yeah, so the police force, I guess maybe they thought that maybe he was innocent or they felt like, you know, they have to do it the right way and prove innocent until proven guilty. So, um, yeah, they were trying to protect him. And um, I guess, like, back then the tension was so high that any any black person that was walking around started getting shot by the white mob. Like they're they were just so upset about everything. They wanted justice right away. They just started shooting people, and then like everything just blew up. And then they started burning down buildings. And they literally these this white mob burned down the entire four thousand acres of Tulsa, like of the Greenwood, like the ten thousand uh, people who live there. Like most of them lost their homes. Yep. 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 That uh, they did, did they recover? I guess not. they like, believe that about three hundred people were murdered, and that ten thousand people were left homeless from this event. And like, cause they just got rid of everything. They burned down every single building. They didn't stop. That uh, the military had to get intervene, but it was already like too late. And um, what happened to the boy? I don't know. Um. Like, did they let him go? Did he? Did they kill him? Did he get convicted? Um, I think that. Wow. Nobody really knows what happened to him, but they say that he probably ran away, like escaped Tulsa after the ma- massacre. Um, that uh, or that um, the sheriff brought him to Kansas City. They say that he might have died in a wharf explosion in Oregon. But his name doesn't appear on the list of people who were killed in the explosion. Then another relative says that he died sometime between 1967 and 1979. That's such a big window. And then he lived for another 40 years. Yeah. And there's some records that say that in 1967, he and Sarah Page saw each other in Kansas. The white bitch. I knew it. 
I knew so it. So they ran into each other later on in life? Or met up. I don't know. Like, met up, met up, like, hey, what's up? I don't up? know, but I knew it. Like, something about it, like, oh, a screech in the elevator. I'm like, that sounds like typical teenager shit. Yeah. And, like, Yo, they, this shit blew up. It, like, burned down an entire neighborhood. A little fucking teenage crush. And then because look, it happened yeah, now, in 1920 around all these fucking races. 40 years later, like, yeah, look how we burned the city down. That's crazy. Yeah, and... What's even crazier is that nobody mentioned it after that. For the longest time, nobody talked about this massacre that occurred in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, like, that the uh, Tulsa Tribune did, like, a 15 years ago segment and a 25 years ago segment and still didn't mention it. I need to talk to you. What? <laughs> Guys, we gotta go. Oh, 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 oh. Should you t- go ahead. Tell them all the stuff. All right, so... Uh, you know, make sure you check us out on wkmu.podbean.com. And you can get us on Twitter at uh, Keeps Me Up SI. Eventually, you guys will be able to reach me. But um, actually, you guys can find me on Snapchat if you want. <laughs> I uh, My name is The Reason Is Take Blue. Take this turn right here. Okay. So, yeah, The Reason Is Blue on Snapchat. Check me out. Oh, and uh, as always, check on your friends, guys. And everyone deserves love. Even you. Bye. This has been... WKMU Production, signing off. This concludes our broadcast day. Good night, and God bless America.